It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush with, with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all Welcome back to the second hour of the Sports Rush, your local daily sports fix right here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith, sitting in for Mr. Brett Rump. Alongside me is producer Adam Lundy, who does a great job of keeping me between the white lines every day. And, you know, when we were just talking about the 10 caps there, before I go on a little bit about this, you know, not only have we got those guys in the broadcasting booth, but Mr. Moz has done, I think you said, Adam, somewhere in the essence of 20-plus years of broadcasting, not only the 10 caps, as well as Purdue-Fort Wayne volleyball. Yeah, absolutely. Just wanted to give a quick shout-out. You know, we talked to we John, with John Nolan, and we love John Nolan, but we also got to mention another voice of the 10 yeah, caps. Yeah, it's been associated with him for 20-plus years. I mean... Yeah, uh, it's um, his 22nd year with the Tin Caps this season, and then um, he also is in his 29th year with Purdue Fort Wayne calling volleyball matches. Uh, we will definitely have to get him on the show absolutely coming up here in the near future to talk about the Tin Caps and the the Volley Dons. The so Volley Dons, but definitely yeah. shout out to Mike Moz. He's a fresh voice as I drive down the road and listen to the games uh, like I used to as a kid on the radio. Uh, kind of brings back some mu- much needed memories as we get a little fast pace in this world today. Great first hour. Uh, talk to Justin Cohn about the Comets as well as John Nolan. Thank you for him. The second hour here, we're going to talk to Zach Osterman as well as Mr. Eric Dut Dukevich. Girls final this Saturday right here on 1380 The Fan. Bishop Bluers. And Norwell will be playing for the state championship. Uh, the girls' lures will, I believe, that game at uh, the Cambridge Frill House will tip around 1 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's correct. It's uh, Bishop Lures taking on Browntown Central. Um, it's approximately 1245. Right. But if we're going on past years, that is going to be a little bit closer to, <laughs> to one. Just with yeah. just with way, the way everything flows. Well, they've got so many things going on there. And you just don't know what happens prior sure. to the prior game. But we'll have both those games for you here on 1380 The Fan. The Dons up in Green Bay on Friday night and then heading over to Milwaukee on their big road trip. The Purdue-Fort Wayne-Green Bay game is stream only at 1380thefan.com. And remember, as always, you can sign up for all the breaking sports news and interact with our shows. Just text FAN to 46862 and be a part of the conversation today. And that's the Parkview Sports Medicine Hotline. If you have any thoughts or suggestions on the topics that we're covering, we were talking about the Hoosiers basketball in that first hour 
and mm. the debacle that it is. I'm going to let Mr. Osterman yeah. kind of expand upon that for me in that regard. Um, you know, the other thing I saw today was an article about Justin Fields, quarterback of the Chicago Bears, and the number of teams that he could go to mm-hmm. here in the offseason for a trade. And that doesn't, you know, it just doesn't. I don't know, seem right, but, you know, they're already running in and out of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, up, and, and I think he's got uh, the, the ability. I mean, he's a he's got a strong arm. Uh, he's a big, big, strong kid. And I'm trying to find that article because it was interesting, the number of teams that were potentially landing spots for him. And mm-hmm. it's like seven. Yeah, yeah, just looking at... Um, I have the, the, the odds of his, if he does move teams, what the next possible team could be. Uh, the biggest one surrounding Justin Fields right now is the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Um, there was the, the him following, unfollowing the Bears on social media, and he follows Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson. <laughs> so that's why he's the favorite to go to the Falcons right now. That's actually minus 130 for him to go to the Falcons. The next most likely team that we're looking at, plus 350, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have also now been connected to one Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. I didn't see that one. Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh's making a change at the coordinator spot. You know, Matt Canada kind of didn't even make it through the year uh, leading the club. I think Eddie Faulkner, who is a Muncie, Indiana native, uh, stepped in and, and did some coordinating there towards the end of the year. But uh, that would be an interesting dynamic as well. But there's going to be teams after him because I do think he is a bona fide NFL type of quarterback. And for whatever reason, the Bears just did not have the right person all around him, whether it was a guy calling the play, whether guys running the route, so forth and so on, an offensive line at times that really failed to protect him. Um, So it will be interesting to see where he lands because they, you know, they gave up some to get to him in the draft a few years ago and we'll see what happens. But I think there's like, other than those two teams, I think I saw Washington was one as a possible landing spot. Um, and then, then you said Atlanta, which what I believe, like you said, is the favorite in that sure. discussion. Sure. So we'll see what happens with Justin Fields, but I thought that was an interesting take because I would, I mean, I know there's been talk of that, 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 that scenario there is just not working out for whatever reason. And you mentioned, you know, the social media aspect of it, but, um, I would step to the front of the line if I could to try to get his services. Cause I do believe he has the, the talent to be a, a really good quarterback. It's too bad. Um, Steichen would be a great fit for him, but you know, we've got our guy. Yeah, we got the guy, and in, in in some respects, it's a little bit of the same. But I think Anthony Richardson has the potential to maybe one day even be more dynamic and exciting than Fields. I don't know if he could oh, be yeah. the better overall quarterback just overall, but I do think he can be more dynamic and more exciting. He's more dynamic because I think he has a little. Justin Fields does not like to be involved in any form of the offense other than dropping back to throw where Richardson's the type of guy that you can also do some things to run game and, you know, play action and mm-hmm. the reads and stuff that you see now in NFL football. But we'll see what happens with Mr. Justin Fields as yeah. a possible landing spot coming up here shortly. Funny enough, yeah, you can actually get 
uh, the Vegas thinks he's more likely to be on the Falcons or Steelers than he is on the Bears next season. So yeah, wow. Falcons minus 130, Steelers plus 330, and then Bears plus 600. <laughs> <laughs> Remember tomorrow, subbing in for Mr. Brett Rump will be Derek Decker. Yeah. He'll be on to with you tomorrow and cover everything heading into the weekend as we look at Purdue, Michigan will be on WoWo and 92.3 Sunday afternoon. That is another game that the Boilermakers are trying to rebound from the, I guess you would say, somewhat embarrassing loss to Ohio State, who was in a tailspin and fired their basketball coach. And Purdue went in there and fell asleep and came out of there and got beat. Now they play Michigan, who's kind of in the same boat. They're not overly lighting the world on fire either. Um, Purdue's just head and shoulders the best team in the Big Ten. Um, I hope this year, for Matt Painter's sake, they can get themselves into the Final Four, but they've always seen a stumble in the tournament, and, and it's it's been an Achilles heel for them because they've had the teams, I think, in the past to get there. And... Uh, yeah. They just haven't got there for whatever reason. They always get stumbled up at some point in the tourney, and... That's the crazy thing. That's right around the corner. I mean, we're at the end of February. February mm-hmm. is so quick. We're starting into March. We're going to be talking about March Madness. You got the before that. You got all the different tournament games. You know, Big yeah. Ten tournament, yep. Horizon League tournament. We'll see what the Dons are going to be doing in that. Uh, whether they're going to be in a play-in game or whether they're going to be solidified in a spot. But uh, you stay tuned right here to thirteen eighty the fan, and we'll have you covered with all breaking sports news. Every day, right here on 1380 The Fan. Let's talk a little bit before I go to you for the text hotline. You brought this up the first hour. The NIL opt-in program for EA Sports College Football 2025. And, you know, this is a dynamic that kind of ruined that game back in, oh, a few years ago because of all the name, image, and likeness stuff. And they kind of pulled it. And it just wasn't kind of the same. But now, Mm -hmm. as you had said earlier, uh, I think you said 85 kids from each each program yep. will get a little bit of money yeah. in their pocket around 600 bucks if they choose to opt in. It's not a they don't they can choose not to. They can. Or you know you know they can you know jump in. It's all set up for that to be done. It's probably a simple process. Checks the box. Do you want to be a part of it? I don't see any kids saying they don't want to be a part of it. It's such an iconic game that uh, everyone. And their brothers played at one time. Now my son, he played out all the time, and uh, so I'm sure he's probably, probably he's probably <laughs> mad because when he's at IU they didn't have this. So yeah. they, you know, they got they as he says they got taken. You know, they should have had <laughs> little money in their pocket, but they didn't. But uh, hey, busy sports weekend. All right, here we've got everything A to Z. High school basketball Friday night. You got the girls on Saturday. Uh, in the mid-afternoon level, playing for the state title, Bishop Lures and Norwell, Dons, Boilers, Hoosiers, you name it, that we got it right here on 1380 The Fan. And Adam is going to give us some sports headlines today. Adam? All right, let's get into it. All right, well, the SEC has fined LSU $100,000 in connection to fans running onto the court after the Tigers' victory over number 17 Kentucky, the league announced today. LSU was fined under the SEC's revised access to competition area policy. The policy states access to playing surfaces are limited to athletes, coaches, officials, support personnel, and property credentialed and authorized individuals 
at all times. The Milwaukee Bucks have signed veteran forward Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari, 35 years old, has averaged 7.3 points, 2.8 rebounds, 1.3 assists, and 14.8 minutes in 32 combined games with the Wizards and Detroit Pistons this season. And speaking of the Pistons, Detroit Pistons center Isaiah Stewart has been suspended three games by the NBA for punching Phoenix Sun center Drew Eubanks at the arena hours before the team played on February 14th. Following the incident last week, Stewart was arrested by Phoenix police, issued a citation, and then released. The misdemeanor assault charge against Stewart has been dismissed by the Phoenix Municipal Court. According to filing obtained by sources, the motion to dismiss it was filed by the prosecutor's office and granted. And those are your top stories for the second hour today, Shannon. Yeah, not to forget the Lady Hoosiers play tonight against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Caitlin Clark coming into town. I think you said earlier that she's like 100 points shy. 99, of, yeah. 99 points shy of Pistol Pete Maravich. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be a great game tonight down in Bloomington. And uh, we'll see if the Lady Hoosiers can pull one out because I th- I was ranked fourth in the country. And I want to say Indiana's at 14th. Um, but uh we'll talk a little bit with that about it was zach osterman too as he comes up the one thing before you go to break the funny thing is about this iu situation Mm -hmm. the basketball thing has gotten so bad that people are now focused and concentrating on indiana football and coach kurt signetti and the buzz that he has created down in bloomington i've never seen the talk of indiana football this early and because spring football's around the corner Hoosiers get eight home games in Memorial Stadium next year for Mr. Kurt Signetti, and we'll see if he has the right ingredients to get the Hoosiers winning. And just a side note, you can follow that and me on the Hoosier Football Tailgate on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, at Hoosier Tailgate on Twitter or X. Follow along as I cover the Indiana Hoosiers. All year long, and I'll be on with Jim Coyle from the Indiana Sports Beat Radio, who is before us each and every day from 3 to 4. But thought that was an interesting dynamic that we're talking Indiana football in the spring. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Things are happening there, (laughs) my man. Well, hey, stick right there. We're going to be back with some great guests here this second hour, all right here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to a Thursday edition of the Sports Rush. My name is Coach Shannon Griffith, filling in for Mr. Brent Rump, who is on the road with the Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons as they head to Green Bay for Friday night's contest. Stream only at 1380thefan.com. So stream only on that game. Purdue at Michigan will be on WoWo 92.3. Sunday with the pregame at 1 and a tip at 2. For the Boilers. But let's sit back and talk a little bit of Indiana basketball. As again, last night, a kind of disastrous finish in that ball game for the Hoosiers. As again, a first half full of mishaps that led to a 20-point deficit. But here to get us all straightened out from the Indianapolis Star, Mr. Zach Osterman. Zach, how you doing, my man? Hey, how we doing? Well, you know... um, I guess it's been the same old, same old for this team this year. Um, the first half has just been a brutal 
uh, half for them all year long. I think the sport, uh, score differential is somewhere around 50 points in total points. Now I'm talking in the first half that the, that the Hoosiers are, you know, given up. They've got a 50 point deficit overall. And it came again last night, uh, with Nebraska with a 20 point, de- point deficit at halftime. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you know, it's, it's, you get to this point in, in seasons like this, and, and I'm not trying to be flippant, but I've, I've covered, you know, a handful of these where you just kind of wind up with a team that, you know, there's there's nothing malicious. Guys aren't quitting. They just kind of can't overcome their flaws, their shortcomings, their weaknesses, you, you know. that. And I think, you know, for Indiana, it's a lot of the same things, uh, you know, just kind of game after game. Um, you know, I think that there's – the lineup is missing a little too much, and obviously the bench has never really kind of rounded into consistent depth um, for Indiana. I think there's probably, you know, I, I actually would make the argument that Indiana, I know Indiana lost 51 points in the first half last night. I would make the argument it was more their offense that was the problem because, you know, you kind of know when you're playing this Nebraska team, they're going to make some shots. They're top five in the league in mm-hmm. big and play in two-point percentage, three-point percentage, free-throw percentage, they're going to score points. And you've just kind of got to be able to score with them. And, you know, it, it, it just consistently looked, frankly, like Indiana was running good offense, getting good shots, and the more of them that didn't go down, the more Indiana kind of started to, to lose its belief again and to lose mm-hmm. its confidence. And then suddenly, you know, I know every coach in every sport says it's got to start on defense, and I appreciate why. But every player who's ever played any sport will tell you that you're feeling a lot more confident when you're hitting the ball well or you're moving the ball in football or you're seeing the ball go in the basket. Mm-hmm. And when you're a team that knows that you have these sort of offensive limitations and you start to see them crop up again and then Nebraska makes a couple tough shots and then, and then a couple more and suddenly you just kind of lose touch with the game and you just hit one of those spells where – you kind of just go into a funk that you basically can't arrest. Um, you know, it's it's just you wind up in a position like this. You know, and, and again, I'm not sort of trying to be too reductive about it, but I just I think you're just looking at a team in Indiana that ultimately it has these flaws. We knew about them. It has these weaknesses. We knew about them. It just kind of can't overcome them, and it's you know it's being consumed a little bit by them now. And just you know, listen, that's just it's kind of just what happens to bad teams. Yeah, and and you know the microcosm of this whole discussion is when you look at the stats last night in the first half, uh, three point percentage for the Huskers. They were nine of nineteen from three. Indiana was one of eleven, and overall in the game, forty one uh, four of twenty one. IU was, but the Huskers fourteen of thirty three from the three point line. And then you add in the foul line; it's not even close. I mean, it, it, it's it also has its ugly hair head, you know, popping up again. IU and their uh, chances at three throws is just not very good uh, when you get a chance to get some of those free points, so to speak. When you're not, you know, really being contested other than shooting from the foul line. Yeah, and it it, it starts to become self fulfilling. You know, you talk about that first half three point shooting, Mike Whitson said, and I, I don't think he was wrong that. A lot of those looks were good looks. They were the product of good offense. And sometimes, you know, maybe people felt that, you know, you could, you could kind of feel some unease in the crowd, people feeling like the shots were coming a little too quickly in, in possessions. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath, you're playing a game at that pace and you're seeing your opponent score like that. 
you know, you're going to feel some urgency to go find your own offense and, and to figure out how to, you know, get get at least one or two guys in some rhythm and, and get some quick scores on your own. Indiana wasn't shying away from the three. It wasn't one of these games we've seen Indiana maybe earlier in the season in particular where they just wouldn't shoot threes. They were running good stuff. They were getting good shots, and they just weren't going in. And then when you talk about the free throws, I mean, that really does kind of become self-perpetuating. And I understand it. I'm not criticizing fans, but every time Indiana stepped up to the free throw line, the, you know, the temperature in the building rose by three degrees. <laughs> and, and you kind of start to get these ironic cheers when a player makes his first free throw. And it's like, listen, again, I understand. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I completely get where it comes from. But is there any world where anybody thinks that helps the player? You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and you could, I mean, Kalel Ware, I think, was 4 of 12 from the free throw line. And he's not a, a great free throw shooter, but he's not an awful free throw shooter. He's, you know, he's about 65, 68%. He's a, for a big man, he's a at least serviceable free throw shooter. And you could just see the frustration mounting. I mean, like, mm-hmm. he was, you know, he's, he's not a particularly emotive kid. He's not a particularly sort of, like, outwardly emotional person, at least in the time we've spent with him. But you could just see, like, he just, he was just, it was, you know, just digging into him. And, and it, it, it gets to a point where, again, you, you know, you keep seeing Nebraska hit threes, you miss threes, and you're thinking those are good shots. These are guys that make them in practice or whatever. The offense is working, and now we're not hitting threes. And then suddenly you're trying too hard on defense, or you're thinking too much, or you're distracted, or you just don't have any confidence in yourself or your teammates. I mean, I kind of made this point in our post-game video last night. Like, if Indiana hits some of those threes, Nebraska probably doesn't score 51 points mm-hmm. because Assembly Hall's a little louder because suddenly guys have a little bit more energy on defense. They're playing looser. They're not playing in fear. They're not thinking, oh, God, don't screw up now because, you know, they're getting further and further away, and here we go again. They're playing with confidence. They're playing, you know, with energy and, and, and aggression. They're playing front foot, not back foot. And then you get to that second half with the free throws. And, again, I understand where it comes from. I'm not criticizing fans. It just becomes something that, like I said, it, 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 it becomes self-perpetuating. And the more you do it, <laughs> you know, the more it, it kind of just kind of sinks everybody deeper and deeper into the muck. And, you know, that, that really is reflective. I think you said this a little bit there, that it's just kind of reflective of where this team is. It, just, it has a very, I think, low level of self-belief, and that bleeds out into all different manner of issues. Well, right now, they're just not mentally tough. Uh, They're not mentally tough enough to get over that type of what you just said there, to get over that hump, because they're always focusing on the negative, whether it's the, you know, the feeling in the building, whether it's the feeling amongst the guys on the court. I mean, look at it this way. The guard play last night for Indiana, eight points between Cups and Galloway. For Nebraska, 38. They're both of their guards throw in 38 total points, and I use is eight points. So right there in the guard play, you know, that in itself has been a problem to a certain degree all year uh, with their guard play. And I, I get it. You, you're right. It's, a, it's mental now. It's become one of those things where uh, you, you got to learn to fight through it. And, you know, sometimes you have to go back and remember, Woodson had this team in the in the uh, NCAA tournament back-to-back years in the first time since 2015 and 16. And this is a bad year, and uh, and it's unfortunate because they had such promise going up the stairs, and now it looks like they're taking two steps back. But, you know, one thing before I let you go here, because I want to – the women's basketball team, on the other hand, 
is playing pretty darn good basketball, and they've got Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes coming in tonight, who has really just taken over uh, the college basketball scene. Uh, what, the, what do you think the chances for the Lady Hoosiers to pick, get a big upset now at home? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's a big game for Indiana. It's, it's probably kind of their last chance to push themselves back into the conference title race, although they don't get another shot at Ohio State, so you know, maybe that'll matter, maybe it won't. Um, obviously, they had the loss Monday against Illinois. You know, you can call it a trap game. You can mm-hmm. do this, you can do that. I, I think what's probably fair to say is Illinois had some athleticism at some spots that Indiana struggled to defend, and Indiana just didn't make it threes. And Indiana's been, you know, I mean, the, the line on Indiana all season is that they have been, you know, either the best or one of the best, like top three or four teams in the country in both three point percentage and field goal percentage. So they're shooting a ton of threes, they're making a ton of threes. They're making them home. They're making them on the road. And when they, you know, when you go to the other parts of their offense, they're still incredibly efficient around the rim, obviously through McKenzie Holmes and Lily Meester to some extent and so forth. But it, it was kind of one of those games where it's sort of like, hey, this is what it looks like when they run up against a team that's got mm-hmm. a little bit more athleticism and they don't make as many threes. Um, now they get Iowa. You know, I think the one thing I would say is there's kind of been, and, and I'm, again, I'm not being critical again, but there's kind of been this sense when, when Iowa's gone on the road this season, lots of sellouts, and it's just been people wanting to come see Caitlin Clark. And, and I got a question a couple of weeks ago, you know, from somebody basically saying, you know, oh, how excited do you think IU fans are to see Caitlin Clark, essentially? And I said, listen, like, you know, there's a healthy respect for Caitlin Clark, how good she is, what she's done for women's basketball, for the Big Ten, all she's accomplished. But that crowd will not be will not have any interest in the Caitlin Clark show. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be loud. And it's going to be very, very um, aggressively Indiana. There, there will not be some sort of, you know, sort of, it, there will be no part of the dynamic that's just, we're just here, we're happy, we're here to see a generational player. It mm-hmm. will be, we're here to beat Caitlin Clark in Iowa tonight. Um, and I think that atmosphere is going to be big for Indiana. Because they're in a position now, too, it's worth saying whether they can get in the conference title race again or not, um, they are right on the cut line of that sort of four or five seed, depending mm-hmm. on kind of what bracket projections you look at. If you're a four seed, you host the first weekend of the tournament. If you're a five, you go on the road. And so yeah. there's, you know, for Indiana, it's kind of at very least about consolidating their position and their resume, and obviously beating Iowa would be, uh, a really, really big boost for that. Well, Zach, I really appreciate you coming on today. And, uh, you know, we could probably take another 15 to 20 minutes to talk uh, about IU's men's basketball issues and problems. Like I said, it's kind of become it is what it is. And they're just going to have to fight through some of this, these growing pains right now and try to get out of it this season and then have an opportunity to, to shore up that uh, bench and uh, starting five uh, in recruiting. So appreciate it, my man. Have a good weekend. I know the the Hoosiers take on uh, what Penn State on is that Saturday or yeah. sa- Saturday? Yeah, Penn, Saturday afternoon in State College. Yeah, in State College is which is another place it's not easy to go win at. But Zach Osterman, I thank you so much, my friend from the Indianapolis Star, the IU beat writer. We're gonna step aside. We'll be right back right here on the Sports Rush on thirteen eighty The Fan one hundred point nine FM. Welcome back to a Thursday edition of the Sports Rush right here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. I'm the coach Shannon Griffith. Adam Lundy sitting beside me, keeping me in between the white lines. 
And high school sports has been continuing on all year. It's been a really good year in Northeast Indiana when you look at it from the competitiveness of the Summit Athletic Conference and some of the other conferences in the area. Got a couple girls teams looking to capture a state final down in Indy this weekend. But we thought we'd bring on the one and only Mr. Eric Dukevich to come on and talk a little bit about some of these fun and exciting times that we're having right here in the Summit City and high school sports. Mr. Eric Dute, how, Dukevich, how are you today, my friend? And good afternoon, Coach. Good to hear from you. And uh, a fun time as always. You're doing a great job uh, holding down the fort at 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. And always great to jump on and talk with you a little bit of high school sports. Yeah, yeah. And uh, outside of our in-season football podcast upon further review we don't get a chance to do this as much as we do during the fall but i get the privilege of sitting in for mr brett rump today and uh, we're going to talk a little bit of high school basketball but first some big news out of east noble high school and the football program there kind of fill us in what's happening up there in east noble because this one uh, not that I'm shocked. I'm shocked that this gentleman moved away from the head coaching position there. But uh, tell us a little bit of what's happened up at East Noble. Yeah, well, last night at the East Noble School Board meeting, uh, Luke Amstutz was approved as the new uh, activities director uh, for East Noble High School. So that encompasses, uh, as far as I understand, athletics. So the athletic director position, mm-hmm. uh, but then really overseeing some of the other extracurriculars uh, within the high school up there, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a big change. Uh, he he moves into that position uh, after 12 years as the head football coach at East Double. He stepped down from that uh, role uh, to do that. So it, it was a big, it's a big monumental wave there, just in the sense that Luke Amstutz, the success that he's had at East Noble, stepping away from the head coaching position, now going to be the athletic director. Um, it, it's a big change, and it's going to be a big change for him a big change for that football program, the athletic department, uh, the activities that they do at, at East Noble, and, and really that entire community. Uh, because you know, Shannon, I mean, we've been up to Kendallville. It's a great place to go on Friday nights for high school football. Uh, a great atmosphere, but it's also a winning one. And when you have success and your coach leaves, in this particular case, to, to take the AD job, um, you know, it, what comes next? And I think from the football side of things, and obviously that's going to be a big thing for him uh, right off the bat is to find a new football coach, uh, kind of his first, you know, it'll be his first hire, so to speak. But, uh, you know, Luke's been great for us here at PSM, and I know with the Pond for the Review and, and 1380 The Fan and just everything that he's been able to do. And, uh, you know, he obviously he's just moving down the hall, so to speak, but uh, – Big changes there, but uh, he, he's somebody that I think uh, is a really good fit for that team, that that high school. Evident, yes, ev- evidently they may have a rule in place there as the athletic director. You can yeah. no longer continue on in any type of coaching duty. Uh, yeah, a lot be- of schools have that. Uh, where I think because he was, you know, the football coach, they can't be the athletic director too. Uh, different places do it different ways. Um, and I think realistically for him, it probably came to a point where, okay, you know, do I want to, you know, how much, how much longer do I want to coach? 
and I have this opportunity now that that is a uh, that has arisen. Um, and you know, it wasn't the best of circumstances uh, to say the least. But also, too, it's a case of um, the, the the opportunity presented itself. He served as the interim AD for the rest of the school year, so he was able to kind of, in that regard, you know kind of be both now the mm-hmm. position opened up right at the end of football season so he was kind of out of football season to do that but i think you know his ability to kind of have that transition uh it should be good for him and i think uh long term i think it'll be good for east noble and it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens this going forward as, as they look for a new head football coach well, I'm sure it was a nice little bump in the pay scale now that you jump into the administrative world and that, and I'm sure that probably tugged at his heartstrings a little bit moving away from football. There will be no short list of names for that position up there at oh, East yeah. Noble. They'll have a, a, a lot of interest in being the head coach at East Noble, but it does come with some of the things that you talked about. Yeah. But those are the things. Pressure. Is, There's well, pressure there. But, there's the, but that is what coaches want. They want to yeah. go to a place you that has won. You know better won. than me exactly yeah. what well. pressure is when it comes to being a football coach um, and, 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 and from the community. I mean, like I said, they love their football up there, um, and part of it is they've had so much success. I mean, 98 wins in 12 years, five conference titles, two sectionals, a regional, a semi-state, went to state in 2019. Uh, you know, that's that's a good list right there, mm-hmm. and they're solid Solid boys coming out of that program, going on to play college football uh, all across the state uh, at different levels. And I think that's what I think, you know, knowing the Luke Amstutz, we know that's what he's most proud of, is the success that he's seen for those kids after they, they've they've taken off their football helmets and yeah. pads at East Noble. Well, and, and the fact is that uh, he's going to be a big part of it. He was very active in the community. I'm sure that will continue. And the one thing that made them successful was his, uh, you know, act, uh, activeness in youth football in the area as well as the community at large. But good things happen at East Noble. Let's jump into the basketball side of things because we've got sectionals starting up so- shortly. And then the ladies uh, get a chance for the state uh, championship this weekend with Bishop Lewers and Norwell playing. But let's stay right here in the Summit City to start with. And let's go through the top five boys here uh, in a relatively quick fashion so we can talk a little bit about the girls' stuff. But number five this week in your top five. Yeah, number five would find the East Noble Knights. We were just talking about them. East Noble coming in at number five. They won four of their last five down the stretch, uh, sitting at 12-9. and nine. They're guaranteed their first winning season since 2018-19. So uh, Brandon Durnell has done a great job of kind of turning that program around again. So they're they're going to do that. Uh, you know they were four and twenty just last year. Now they're twelve and nine. Uh, they host Wawasee tomorrow night, and they're led by three juniors: Kobe Ritchie, Riker Quake, and Nathan Bokey. So they've got a lot of good young talent on that team. Uh, that's going to see some big things coming for them. Yes, and some things you see in the top five is some of the schools that we talk about in all sports, and that's why they're so good. Number four this week in your in your Power Five. Number four, the Woodland Warriors. Yeah. You know, this team now sitting at 14-7, and seven, uh, four and two in the ACAC, so, you know, kind of quiet. No, not, not, nothing really jumps off the page, but 
four straight wins. They've won eight of their last nine. Now, all of their opponents have been under 500 um, but in that win streak. But, hey, wins are wins, especially of this late in the year and trying to get some momentum for sectionals. Uh, they beat Wanger by 10 on Saturday. That was a big win. Uh, and they've beaten teams from all over of different conferences across the region as well. So the regular season isn't over for them. They host Leo, uh, and then they're on, and then they go on to uh, the, their sectional. Uh, their regular season is over. I'm sorry, and they they host sec, uh, the sectional in yes. Class 3A next week. They start off with Leo, so that's a tough test uh, for them. But they're the only team in that sectional over 500. Yeah. So Woodland, a good team to watch in that really crazy sectional that is like you know Garrett and Leo and and Woodland and all these different teams for different conferences is kind of a toss-up so that'll be interesting to see also John Baker 100 career wins now for him congrats to him the head coach of the Woodland Warriors yes and then number three this week another uh NA8 team in your power five who, who we got there at number three yeah we find the Norwell Knights well, this is a team that's uh, four straight wins, five of their last six. They beat Concordia, Jay County, Huntington, and Heritage in there. Uh, they're, you know, doing really well. Uh, Adam McBride, the coach's son, has played well for them, 15 points versus Concordia. They got a big one against Homestead tomorrow night, uh, 1380 of the fan game of the week. Uh, looking forward to that one and that non-conference battle. But Norwell sitting at 13-8. and eight on a nice little roll as they get ready for their section. Yes, and now this week's number two team coming in. Num- yep, this- number two, the New Haven Bulldogs. <laughs> what a couple of weeks and really a week it's been for them. This is team that's 6-16. Six and 16. They only have one win in the NEA conference this year, but I tell you, three straight wins after a one-and-an-eight stretch. They upset Bishop Lures on uh, on. On Tuesday night, that was part of their senior night festivities. They beat Heritage in overtime last Friday. Uh, they got a bye in the first round of sectionals, so they're already into the semifinals. Uh, Johnny Washington has looked good. We talk about him on the football field. Uh, really good for them down the stretch uh, as a senior for them. And, you know, this New Haven team finding a little bit of momentum, a bit of momentum that can really be helpful as you move on, especially when you get that by. Uh, but New Haven, number two this week, uh, coming in in our poll for, for what they've been able to do in the last couple of days. And then this week's number one team in your top five. Number one, we find the Blackhawk Christian Braves. <laughs> you know, this has been a really good team all year. They've, they've stuck their nose in the poll a few times, but I think this is the first time I've got them at number one this year. This year, 17 and six overall, three straight wins and won four of their last five. They clipped Leo in double overtime on Tuesday, a good win over Southside on Saturday, and then they beat the defending 3A state champion uh, Northwood last Friday. Two teams, both teams were state champions. Blackhawk Christian was the 2A champion last year. Northwood the 3A, so it was a fun uh, matchup there. Two two state championship teams. They get the win there. Uh, they also drew a bye in that heavy loaded 2A sectional and with Lures and Manchester, Bluffton in there as well. So that's going to be a fun sectional watch. Uh, they don't have a conference, so there's no conference championship for them. So for them, it's all about those postseason hardware 
and Blackhawk Christian looks to make another deep run to come this postseason. Well, Duke, we thank you for the top five and a little bit of insight on the East Noble scenario with Luke Amstutz stepping into the athletic director position and resigning his position as head football coach there. We'll catch you on Friday night there in the postgame show there, Duke. Sounds good. We'll talk about the state finals then. I know I'm always out of time. Good to hear from you, Shannon. All right, buddy. (laughs) We'll see you then. This is our best friend, Mr. Eric Dukevich from Parkview Sports Medicine. This has been the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9. We'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to the Sports Rush here on a Thursday afternoon. Remember, you can catch the Purdue Fort Wayne at Green Bay Friday night. Stream only on 1380thefan.com. Purdue, Michigan. Whoa, whoa. 92.3 Sunday. Pre-game at 1. Tip at 2. Remember, you can always sign up for the breaking sports news and interact with our shows. Just text FAN to 46862 and be a part of the conversation today. I want to thank all our guests this afternoon. Zach Osterman, Justin Cohn from the Journal Gazette, Eric Dukevich from Parkview Sports Medicine, as well as John Nolan from the 10 Caps. As the spring season is upon us and baseball is going all out. Tomorrow afternoon, Derek Decker sets in for Brett Rupp on the Sports Rush. For now, I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. For Adam Lundy, this has been the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM.